Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Another impressive victory over the weekend and a bit of revenge against the Washington Wizards with some history involved as well for John Morant and the Grizzlies. Plus, how the Grizzlies' February schedule is a bit more manageable than the tough January schedule the Grizzlies have conquered this month. But first, the Grizzlies have to face another tough opponent on the road against Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Here we go. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Sean Coleman here as always, credential media member with the Grizzlies, your host here at Locked On Grizzlies, my fourth season covering the Grizzlies, and it's always fun, especially with how well they're playing right now. You can find the show at Locked On Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, and wherever you are, wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching, find the podcast on all platforms when it comes to podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, obviously all free, and make sure to see it here on YouTube as well. Hit that subscription, hit subscribe button below, lets us know you enjoy the show, lets others enjoy it as well, and overall just makes the show the best experience it possibly could be. And also, whether you're someone who's new to the show, thank you so much for joining, or you've been with us for a while, and I certainly hope you've enjoyed the ride. Thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. So the Grizzlies come into Saturday night, having played a very good game against the San Antonio Spurs, in which John Morant had 41 points and Jaron Jackson Jr. had six blocks. Well, hey, you go to Friday night, John Morant, had a thir- the first 30-point triple-double in Grizzlies franchise history. Jaron Jackson Jr. had six blocks. So coming in to Saturday, the Grizzlies were facing off against the Washington Wizards, and the, the reinforcements were continuing to come in. Though Zaire Williams was out due to a bit of knee soreness, he's fine. He should be available for tonight's game. The Grizzlies also were looking at Kyle Anderson returning to form since he was out of health and safety protocols. Now, Tyus Jones also was, but due to conditioning, they were just going to allow for him to be able to get some rest. So the Grizzlies come into the game against the Wizards, and they wasted very little time when it came to establishing who was going to win the game. The Grizzlies wind up winning 115-95. to And, of course, the moment that everybody's talking about is the big block that occurred between Desmond Bain as well as John Morant. Desmond Bain, obviously, with the chase down block, getting the ball to Jaron Jackson Jr., and then Jaron Jackson Jr. with the alley-oop to John Morant. But the thing that also stands out is this, is that the Grizzlies truly were dominant throughout this entire game. They left very little doubt as to the fact that they were going to get the job done against the Wizards. And that's exactly what you're wanting to do. Against the Spurs, even with John Morant's outstanding play, the Spurs kind of stuck around. They kind of stuck around for much of the game. The Grizzlies were able to pull ahead late and get the victory. Against the Jazz, the Grizzlies also, uh, for a little bit of time, you know, it was a bit of a close game, but the Grizzlies pulled away early, set the turn early, got the lead. But on Saturday night, uh, Saturday night was just a thorough victory. It was a thorough victory of full 48 minutes of dominance from beginning to end. And once again, it was spurned by John Morant. 
John Morant was the engine once again, 34 points on the night. Now, let's get a little bit into context here, just how special of a run John Morant is on, all right? So when it comes to John Morant, this is now six straight games. He scored 30 or more points, seven straight games in which he scored 35 or more points. That is not something you've seen before in Grizzlies franchise history. It's not something that you see every day when it comes to um, overall the NBA for a player as young as John Morant. But the other thing that stands out now is that John Morant with 34 points on in Saturday night's game and with the game left tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers, John Morant set a new franchise record for most points scored in a calendar month by a Grizzlies player. 400 points scored by John Rand, the most we've ever seen a Grizzlies player score. Once again, a level up in showing that not only is John Morant obviously the best player we've seen in a Grizzlies uniform, but he's right now experiencing or producing arguably the best scoring output from a Grizzlies player we've seen in franchise history as well. But it's not just franchise history where John Morant made you know some headwinds, where John Morant made a bit of history. For John Morant, he became only, I believe it was the ninth player in NBA history with nine, with four, at least 400 points and 100 assists in a calendar month at age 22 or younger. Now, it's not that this hasn't done before, but it's to, but the point of it is the caliber of players that have done this before goes to show what level John Moran is on. The players that have done this before, that have been able to have 400 plus points and 100 plus assists at age 22 or younger in a single single calendar month. Luca, Trey, Allen Iverson, Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, Devin Booker, LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. I'm sure I'm missing someone. There was probably, um, and, and Derrick Rose. Those are the 10 that have done that in a calendar month, scoring 400 or more points and getting 100 or more assists in a calendar month. That's how rare it is for someone that age to do it, but it also shows again just how awesome of a trajectory John Morant's career on is on simply by playing at the level that he's been playing all year. Again, another nice compliment just a few days removed from John Morant being named an all-star starter. But it wasn't just about John Morant, right? The Grizzlies offense as a whole, once again, in multiple ways, established dominance. Obviously, they won the point battle. They won the points in the paint battle. But 60 rebounds as well, including 21 offensive rebounds and Steven Adams becoming only the fifth person sixth person in Grizzlies franchise history to have 10 or more offensive rebounds in the game. The Grizzlies won the possession battle. The Grizzlies bench was outstanding. De'Anthony Melton with 13 points, Brandon Clark with 10 points, a combined 23 rebounds between De'Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, and Brandon Clark. Once again, showing how versatile the Grizzlies bench can be and how important it is for the Grizzlies to be able to limit the possessions of the opponent while gaining their own winning that possession battle. But another highly encouraging sign. In this game, unlike the three before against the, uh, or excuse me, against the um, the Nuggets and the, and the uh, Spurs and the um, Jazz, that the, the three previous wins the Grizzlies had had where they were able to produce good results at the free throw line, at least quantity-wise, the Grizzlies were only 10 of 12. From the free throw line. Good to see the accuracy. 13 of 31 from three, though. 
That's the best performance the Grizzlies have had in terms of quantity and quality all month long. And they were able to do it once again because of the fact that because they were able to get into the lane and establish so much dominance against a Washington Wizards team that is in no way, shape, or form near the top of the league when it comes to guarding twos, the Grizzlies were able to find advantages inside in, in the paint and inside the arc, and then we're able to get um, looks from outside in order to be able to hit them. John Morant with four, Desmond Bain with two. Just an outstanding overall well-balanced team performance. And of course, the more and more the Grizzlies are able to put games like that together, the more encouraging it certainly should be for the Grizzlies to be able to maintain what now, due to the weekend results, is a four-and-a-half game lead, or excuse me, a four-game lead, four or four-and-a-half game lead in the current Western Conference standings when it comes to the Grizzlies. And the good thing is, is that their ability to maintain that 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 lead in the third spot in the West, it should continue to be something that should be more than manageable coming up to the All-Star break. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you a bit about Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast or in the afternoon as a snack. But the great thing is, is that when you make Built Bar a part of your day, you can have it again in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. You can even have it if you want to during your day to give you some energy, a good health benefit, a good taste. And of course, if you go to Built.com right now, you get to choose from over 18 different flavors when it comes to Built Bar. Plus, if you put in the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Make sure you make Built Bar a part of your day today. And again, go to Built.com, put in the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Can't thank you enough for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day, but we now know who the Super Bowl contenders will be, who the Super Bowl participants will be. And a bit of a surprise, the Cincinnati Bengals and the AFC led by Joe Burrow, an outstanding season for them, and the Los Angeles Rams led by Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald from the NFC. Those are your Super Bowl participants, but so many narratives and storylines outside the Super Bowl are going on right now. So after making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day, make sure you check out the Locked On NFL podcast of your choice when it comes to your team as the second listen of the day. So let's reset the scene for the Grizzlies with it being January 31st. Of course, the Grizzlies tonight will be on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. And we're now getting into a part of the season where that becomes a theme for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are going to, they've played a significantly higher number of games at home than they have on the road so far this season. So along with the big break that's coming up in a few weeks when it comes to the All-Star break, the Grizzlies are going to have few games at home. I believe in the month of February, the Grizzlies only have three or four games during the entire month at home. So the Grizzlies are going to be on the road more often. But a couple of things that do help out is that there should be some built-in lengths of rest, but also the Grizzlies' schedule becomes much more manageable. But the Grizzlies, with the fact that they have continued to win, that they've won 12 games for the second month in a row for only the for, for the first time in franchise history, they've now won three in a row. The Grizzlies now find themselves in third in the Western Conference. Now, let's be honest. Jaron Jackson Jr. talked about it a bit after the game on Saturday night. He talked about how the focus would be to get after the Warriors and get after the Suns to potentially get to one of the top two spots in the West. Could the Grizzlies do it? Absolutely. Will the Grizzlies do it? I don't necessarily know how realistic that is. But what I do know is, is that going forward, as I've mentioned before, the Grizzlies are now 
in the top three. Excuse me, in the top three of the West, obviously, but they also have the easiest schedule in the NBA moving forward. That's right. They have the 30th ranked schedule in the NBA moving forward. And not only that, they enter today's game with a four and a half game lead for the fourth spot in the West, as well as a five and a half game lead in a over the Mavericks and the Nuggets for the Nuggets for the fifth and sixth spots in the West. So there is a cushion there. For Memphis, right? So not only do they have the easiest schedule in the league moving forward, but they also have now a four and a half game cushion on that third spot in the West. And so the thing is, you don't want to look at this in any way, shape or form and suggest the Grizzlies should take their foot off the pedal, that they should in any way, shape or form let up or, or whatever have you when it comes to their playing ability. You want them to go out and win every single game because that's what keeps this team in the best version of itself as possible. However, with the fact that you're going to have many players coming up on a stretch of a season that they've not experienced before, with the fact that the Grizzlies are going to be on the road quite a bit, with the fact that there's going to be some built-in rest days, so it's going to be, there is going to be rest, which is good, but it's going to be a bit of a routine change as well. When it comes to the Grizzlies and their overall production, the biggest thing that stands out for Memphis is for them to focus on making the most of this schedule that they have coming up in the month of February. For one, the thing is, is that the Grizzlies, since they've won 12 games, since they are now 24-7 and over the past two months, the Grizzlies now also find themselves to where they have beaten quite a bit of the best teams in the NBA. 3 and 0 against the Nuggets so far this year. Sure, they're 3 and 4 or they're only 1 and 3 against the Mavericks. But they're three, but they're 2 and 0 against the Jazz. They played very good against the Warriors and the Suns. The Grizzlies now have gotten past not only tough parts of their schedule where they're 24 and 7, but they've also gone gone against some of their toughest matchups. And now the Grizzlies face a February schedule. We're coming up before the All-Star break. Here's how the Grizzlies schedule reads for the rest of February. For the rest of February, the Grizzlies obviously will be taking on Philadelphia tonight, but on Wednesday, they'll be take, they'll be at New York. Then they'll be at Orlando. They'll welcome the Clippers at, at, to the FedEx Forum. They'll be at Detroit, at Charlotte, at New Orleans, and then they'll welcome Portland on the second night of a back-to-back -back on February 16th before the All-Star break. Of that stretch of games, you're looking at Philadelphia and Charlotte right now as being the only teams, I, I believe, yeah, I believe that are above a 500 record. But at the end of the day, besides Philadelphia, who is a favorite tonight, but you could see probably being on the same level as, as the Grizzlies right now when it comes to overall talent and play. Besides that, the Grizzlies should be the favorite in every single game that they play. And we're talking about eight more games before the All-Star break. So there is truly a chance for the Grizzlies, who again, right now, stand at 35 and 17. There is a good chance for this Grizzlies team truly, truly could be 20 games above 500 before the All-Star break. Now, I don't want to go as far as to say this, but at 35 and 17, you also could easily see this Memphis team have 40 wins before the All-Star break. That's how outstanding of a first half the Grizzlies still have remaining in front of them, even with the fact that they have eight games left before the All-Star break. So we're talking about a team that could 60 games into its season before the All-Star break could have 40 wins, 
could have could have uh, be twenty games above five hundred, and even could be in third spot, this third spot in the West with a five or better game lead, not only in the division, but also in um for the third spot in the Western Conference. And again, with the easiest schedule remaining in the NBA, that's something that continues to benefit them even beyond the All Star break. Because as I discussed last week, the Mavericks, they have a very tough stretch coming up at the end of February and the early part of March, as well as the fact that the Grizzlies also have a a very good opportunity for them to continue to put space between them and the Mavericks and the Nuggets until the end of the season when the Grizzlies go on a road trip to face the Jazz and the Nuggets as well. So not only can the Grizzlies build a bit more room between them and the Mavericks in the division, them, the Mavericks, and the Jazz in the, in the conference. But the Grizzlies also not only can get some rest, but start to look at that playoff positioning, hopefully, to where they may not necessarily change their position, but they'll be able to monitor who the best matchup, who's going to be their matchup. Instead of worrying about their own positioning, the Grizzlies can keep on focusing on winning, plus also focus on who may face them in the playoffs, which could be an advantage for the Grizzlies when it comes to strategy and schemes come the postseason. So the Grizzlies are in a very good position moving forward due to the efforts that they've put together over the past few months, plus the fact that a favorable schedule as well as some extra rest awaits them coming up over the next several weeks. It's going to be fun to see, man, 40 games above five, 40 game, 40 wins before the All-Star break and 20 games above 500 would be spectacular to see, and the Grizzlies certainly have a good chance to do it. But tonight, before we talk about the schedule getting easier, a tough matchup remains for the Grizzlies with the Philadelphia 76ers in the city of brotherly love, and awaiting the Grizzlies is Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll discuss that in just a moment. Certainly can't thank you enough for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. We'll obviously review the game against the Philadelphia 76ers, plus we'll also be looking at the candidacy that both Taylor Jenkins and John Morant have, Taylor Jenkins, to join Lionel Hollins and David Yeager as being the third coach in franchise history to win back-to-back Coach of the Month awards, plus John Morant winning Player of the Month for the Western Conference in the month of January. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So the Grizzlies will be facing off against Joel Embiid tonight, someone that they have luckily been able to avoid for quite a while. They've not played him that much over the past few years. But the thing that stands out is this. As much as I just said, talked about John Morant, potentially being the Player of the Month in the Western Conference in the or in the Western Conference, obviously, he could be Player of the Week as well. Joel Embiid has been as much or even more, probably even more dominant than John Morant over the past six weeks as well. Joel Embiid has been absolutely outstanding so far in the month of January. In the month of January, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is averaging 34 points per game, 10.5 rebounds, 4.8 assists, and 1.5 blocks per game. has just been outstanding when it comes to his production. And the Philadelphia 76ers overall are 12-3 and themselves. They've been one of the top five teams, possibly arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference this month. And they are top 10, seventh in offense, fourth in defense. They are in the top 10 of both offensive rating and defensive rating 
for the month of January, but the Grizzlies are as well. But the thing that stands out about Philadelphia is that a lot of what they do is similar to what the Grizzlies are doing. The Philadelphia, the 76ers, like Jaw does for the Grizzlies, the 76ers rely on the production of Joel Embiid in the paint, you know, within the arc, and then they complement that with very good looks from three. In the month of January, you have T Tobias Harris, who is on 3.13 point attempts per game is shooting 42.6% from three. Tyrese Maxey on four and a half threes per game is shooting 50%. Seth Curry on just over six attempts per game is shooting 41%. And Danny Green on nearly four attempts per game is shooting 48%. The 76ers are one of the most offensively balanced NBA teams in the league right now due to their production in the paint but also the ability to complement those shots from three. Now, thankfully, the Grizzlies will be getting back, hopefully, Tyus Jones tonight as he comes off health and safety protocols, which means that only Dylan Brooks remains that it remains the only current Grizzly who is out right now due to his ankle injury. So that could really come into favor for the Grizzlies, for them to be able to keep the energy up to do what they need to do to give different schemes, different looks, different coverages to try to double Joel Embiid and, may, and contain him as much as they possibly can while also defending the three. The, Philadelphia, the 76ers also don't turn the ball over that much. So certainly the Grizzlies' opportunistic nature could come into play. But for me tonight, the big thing for the Grizzlies is going to be, yes, you want to be opportunistic, but you also, more than anything, more than anything, you've got to be able to guard the three-point line. And if the Grizzlies can do that on a regular basis, that could allow for them to get the 76ers to have to take shots from two. And though the 76ers have been a good team at doing that so far this season, that would be a lot better than them getting hot from three. But the 76ers are, are, are no joke when it comes to their ability to move the basketball, when it comes to their ability to find the right shots. If the Grizzlies allow Joel Embiid to get going from inside the paint or inside the arc, that easily could lead to a lot of passing opportunities out on the perimeter, which could lead to plenty of three-point opportunities. And that balance that the 76ers show certainly could be a tough task for the Grizzlies to overcome. But of course, Memphis themselves, they also can get things going, right? John Moran, he's going to have a bit tougher time tonight, I feel, than most. I think that he'll be just fine. He he'll wind up probably getting 35 at the end of it. But the Philadelphia 76ers are also one of the better perimeter defensive teams with Matisse Steibel, Danny Green, and others. They can throw different looks at John Morant, plus the 76ers can guard the three themselves. So one of the things that stands out for a Grizzlies team that has done very well as of recent of being able to spike low assist numbers, at least for themselves, despite low assist numbers at creating their own shot, it may become a bit harder for Memphis to do that tonight. And so effective ball movement, getting into the lane, getting to the free throw line, setting up those looks from three, all those things certainly matter. But in my opinion, possibly the biggest thing that stands out of all is that if the Grizzlies can utilize the versatility of their bench, yes, it will be great if the bench unit can score more than the 76ers. The 76ers have a very viable bench as well. But if the bench unit for the Grizzlies can show out tonight when it comes to their outside, the score, outside scoring value, playing defense, getting rebounds, creating turnovers, 
if the Grizzlies bench can contribute in many different ways outside of scoring, like they did on Saturday night against the Wizards, that means that the Grizzlies can win many of the other parts of the game besides scoring, which should set them up to get a victory tonight against the 76ers. It's going to be a very tough matchup. The 76ers are playing very good basketball. I know that many talk about the 76ers for many different reasons other than their on-the-court play. At this time of year, obviously, with it being the trade deadline and Ben's obviously seeing what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, but the Grizzlies are going to have to have a very tough matchup. Much like the Grizzlies have faced against the Denver Nuggets when they faced against Nikola Jokic, Joe Allen Bede's going to get his. You, you, you just you accept that. He's going to get his. The Grizzlies are going to need to do the best that they can to try to contain him, but the big key also for the Grizzlies is not to allow any other Philadelphia 76ers player to get hot from three or have a you know outlier scoring night where they score 25 to 30 points to support Embiid. That's going to be a big focus on defense. And then on offense, can the Grizzlies utilize effective ball movement to get into the lane, find good shots, but also be able to find shots from three? And the big key for me is, can the Grizzlies clearly be the more productive bench unit in this game. If those things happen, I feel the Grizzlies should be able to get another victory. It's going to be a tough matchup, though, with Joel Embiid and company ready to end their January on a good note, just like the Grizzlies are hoping to do as well. On tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we'll be looking at the candidacy of both Taylor Jenkins and John Moran when it comes to Coach of the Month in the Western Conference and Player of the Month. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the game tonight. Go Grizzlies. Good to have Tyus Jones back and everybody healthy. Hopefully the depth will shine tonight and get another big victory on the road. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.